peace. Okay, guys, welcome to another episode of the Funky Marketing Podcast. Uh, me and today's guest uh, have been talking to each other for, uh, for already like 10, 15 minutes. It's 7 uh, a.m. Uh, for, for him in the U.S. Here is like 1 p.m. So let me uh, welcome him and I will, I will leave, leave to him to present himself. So let's do it. Thank you. Uh, I'm Jared Robin. I'm the co-founder of Rev Genius, uh, sales, marketing, and RevOps community uh, of professionals. We're helping one another level up, learn, get new jobs, get promotions, etc. And really excited to be here. Yeah. Thanks for for doing this doing this with me. Uh, so basically, when uh, like. Two or three years ago, when I moved from my hometown to, to Novi Sad, um, I was part of the co-working community of Serbia. And when I showed up there, they told me like, oh, you're the guy creating communities. Because I did it in my hometown. I created the community out of the uh, IT people, which uh, ended up uh, as like being a co-working center and now they are moving to startup center i don't know those kind of things then i moved to novi sad there i started to uh, get around marketers and business people and mix them with, uh, with people who are more like artistic just to get the, the best from the both worlds and so i like continue building communities offline and online and that's why like uh, revenue genius was something that this was interesting to me you are like a huge community that is growing really fast and um, I don't see it as other communities which are really right uh, strict to some point and uh, you are more like non-formal outgoing so tell me how actually did it happen how how did Rev Genius happen yeah that, that's a great question and, and it's so funny my experience with sales and marketing communities probably started way before <laughs> this year and way before Rev Genius. And, and I remember 2013, my colleague and I, when we were at an early stage startup, we were figuring out all these hacks, uh, how to hack to get more meetings and all of this, so to speak at the time, uh, you know, when, when sales enablement and sales engagement technologies were, were super young uh, or, or not even existent. And we're like, darn it, we wish we, we started something like Sales Hacker because that was at the forefront, right? Uh, so fast forward to 2020 and we have COVID. I don't have a job um, and, and the prospects are becoming difficult to get one. And, and, and I'm not the only one. There's, there's a bunch of us. I met my partner, co-founder, Galen, uh, through the webinar circuit, essentially. There was tons of webinars, more than ever. Uh, you probably remember, and uh, just way too, I don't want to say too many, but but just so many. And they were coming from all angles. They were coming from communities. They were coming from individuals. They were coming from technology companies. They were coming from marketing agencies, et cetera. And there wasn't a single unified aggregated platform for all, right? Like they were each looking and having their own self-interest and rightfully so. And, and there was nothing out there that really had the, the community broadly's interest at heart. Uh, so what, what did that look like to us? We're like, let's come up with like Eventbrite for sales and marketing, a single platform that has everything and, and, and maybe have members. And, and we didn't use the word members, have visitors, have users figure out what's most important, help curate it, et cetera. Well, <clears throat> and at the same time, I was in probably every major community um, that was out there from you know anything that you'd heard of I was a part of whether it was paid free etc so I knew that that space was there and I didn't look at it like there was an opportunity there in fact I thought some of the the community the quote-unquote communities were doing a really good job and that there might be an opportunity to take that model into other spaces not sales and marketing and revenue right? Like maybe creative to your point, uh, because there, there wasn't that there. And, and that's something that interests me and that I've worked in the past. But anyway, long story short, we 
we're thinking about what it looked like. We had a Google Doc of all the events, right? And and it certainly wasn't super aesthetically pleasing. And and we built a network of let's say thirty eight uh, sales professionals and revenue professionals on LinkedIn in a messaging group. And we quickly realized that the power was in the people in the group and not the events. And we moved everyone to Slack and we doubled down on the people. And now I'm in all of these communities and I'm also able to see that there's a gap. There, if it was an actual gap or a perceived gap, there was something there. And, it, and there was no community that at least from our point of view and judging from the traction, there was, you know, a product market fit that was inclusive to all roles, um, to all spaces from sales, marketing, rev ops, and was accessible, meaning lower, no cost. So we built some foundational principles, developed some values and a mission, and we started acquiring people and, and pe- uh, members and, and members clearly felt the need um, to belong. And, and even if they were in something else, they joined our community as well. Um, and our activity, our engagement, et cetera, was one of the higher uh, communities. So people stayed and they learned and, and we developed programming and um, a plan around them. Yeah, so it started with a with a LinkedIn messaging group. So yeah, you, you develop already there like the engagement, the community, people that are giving value to each other, and then mm-hmm. you just transfer it to, to the to the Slack. In this case, like the bigger platform made for exactly communities. Yeah, and, and, and Slack isn't necessarily made for communities; it's made for messaging. But yeah, that's, a, lot, uh, a lot of people are using it. Uh, for communities, it's like either Discord, Slack, or maybe Facebook groups. I don't know who's choosing what. Yeah, I, I, I think that there's value to each, and, and this is actually a funny argument that I think is is almost a non-argument. People are saying what platform's the best. We like Slack. Our community told us to go to Slack, right? Um, and, and and that's a big takeaway. Do I think Slack is the best? I don't necessarily think Slack is the best, uh, but it's where we're at and it's an important part of, of what we do. And, and that's because it's already in the workflow of a lot of revenue professionals. They're living there for their teams or it's something easy. And, and as other communities pop up, a fair share of them are in Slack. So people could go back and forth quite easily. Yeah, I like it. Um, I but I love just, those other platforms. Uh, Discord's awesome. Discord is really great. I think a lot of people who are mostly like gamers or game developers mm-hmm. are using it. And so I was I was in a communications with those target with their target group at the time. So it was like it was hard to get in. You know, there's a Serbian gaming association, and it was like I needed to get in touch with the people who are. Uh, who are basically running the association just to get into the Discord group because I needed to like uh, just share some opportunities for them. But I needed to have an explanation why am I doing it? I mean, that's how you protect the community in a way. Yeah, I mean, people aren't even talking about Telegram, right? Like that's that's from your area, that's massive, right? In the blockchain world, it's funny, people, are talking this platform and that, and, and, and it's like the flavor of the week, but are, are a lot of people, do they really know all the platforms? Do you know Chalk? Do you know Clubhouse? <laughs> do you know, um, do you really know Discord, et cetera? Um, there's a lot of really great platforms out there for, for communities. And you know, the, the, the million dollar question is, when you get big enough, do you build your own or do you stay on the same channel? And, and that's, uh, that's an interesting question. Yeah, this that's really something that you need to, to think for a while to get the answer. And maybe you won't get even the right answer. So it it can even break the community. So that's why it's that important. But tell me one thing. When you started with uh with community and gathering people around, um 
how did you find those that will support the growth, that will engage people, that will make them engage? Because like in my experience, this is the, the, the most tricky part when you are creating community. You need somebody who is going to trigger people to, to actually get into action. Yeah, so, so there's there's two parts of the equation, right? Um, in, in what you said, like acquiring people and engagement. And um, both have to do, in my opinion, with the mission of the community and the types of people that you get in, uh, th that they're like one another. And, and that the sector that you're going after, in our case, revenue professionals, sales, marketing, rev ops, that they desire improvement that they that they're constantly thirsty for knowledge etc because you could acquire a bunch of people and it'll fall flat and in fact even in our space there's people that are acquiring bunches of people and it's falling flat and and i'm a part of those slacks some of them so one you need to you need to have a strong mission right and and, and you need to have a strong product purpose that that's meeting a need that's not being met or in a way that hasn't been met yet. Uh, you need to reach out to the right people, bring them on. And then how do you get people that are advocates? I mean, as a leader, I, I think where a lot of communities, I suspect where a lot of communities may be falling short is that people often are looking at this as a part-time job and they're putting people together and they're not engaging. And, and, when I mean engaging, it's not a co-founder riling up questions in every channel. We've all been in those Slack groups, right? Like, hey, marketing people, <laughs> what do you think today about, you know, the Google, or even better, the LinkedIn new algorithms, right? I used to have 10,000 uh, views. Now I have two and I have the same amount of people. What's up? Those are certainly great questions. Uh, but you have to be involved all the time. You have to also, I love using this word, uh, be a servant leader to them. I'm here for my community and successful communities, I believe have that element. I'm trying to help people get jobs. I'm trying to help people get promotions. I'm trying to help people learn how to sell more, whether, whether it's literally me doing it or me connecting them with somebody who's better than me. Uh, at it or more experience than the, at a certain area. And I think people become fans of you back and they want to give back. And I think it's, I think it's natural, you know, in the, the principles of karma, but I think at the beginning of quarantine, when we came about, there was a need to belong. And I think there still is. And there's so many communities that are popping up. It's like the flavor of the day, but you have to take it really, really seriously. And, and be there 100 hours a week. You don't have to work necessarily 100 hours a week, but you have to be there. And, and I'm there all the time. That's so powerful. Like so being a servant leader and like feeling the need to belong. And you sense there that in a, in a community around something that's fairly new, like RevOps, revenue operations, those things, didn't exist like let's say two year, two three years ago. It's all new because like marketing sales are kind of shifting, and they're getting. I, I like to say they're getting to the place where they should be, uh, should have been uh, in the past, but for some reason they weren't. So now they are they are going towards that goal, and. Um, I'm interesting in, I mean, okay, you're uh, definitely in the space, but how did you come up with exactly those people that you need to get, uh, get a community around them? Why are those people actually specific and how did you actually decide to go for the revenue uh, ops? Awesome question. So the, the true answer is one of the first name suggestions for Rev Genius was Sales Genius. So that starts opening up the answer, right? And spoke to a really good friend of mine um, in comms. And, and we'd always had a plan to go into marketing because I was part of it and, and everything related. But that was more of a, an opening up over time. 
it wasn't necessarily the plan to go in straight away. Sales was, was the focus. And so, so, so that's first off. Now, we wanted to, you know, quickly realized that in the revenue world, it's constantly evolving and silos are getting taken away. It's no longer where sales and marketing aren't on the same team, even if they are on the same team. <laughs> uh, and SDRs, that role in particular, sometimes reporting to marketing, you know, sometimes as high as 50% of the SDR programs out there, I, I heard that statistic, are reporting to marketing. And now we have a formal RevOps role. Well, it's a formal role. Are you telling me, Manja, that, that RevOps didn't exist before? People weren't doing this? Or did it live somewhere else? Okay, that might be the that might be a little more of the truth. Was that marketing ops? Was that sales ops? That well, that was what it was last year. Before that, was it just ops? Was it just people that could um, get stuff done, etc.? And I think you know, it's funny. Where's RevOps going to develop from here? I think it'll be called RevOps for a while, but I think that skill set is the generalist. Right, um, a product manager could easily go into RevOps in the right organization. And in fact, we just brought a product manager on that's going to run growth and, and has a clear path to run RevOps because now there's a new mind um, in the RevOps world. In uh, that mind is somebody that connects all systems, maybe a little more technical, you know, not just analytical, but also technical uh, in, in getting those analytics, et cetera. So, you know, back to the original question, the world is evolving. Uh, the revenue world is evolving. And to build a community that accurately represents where it is today and where it's going, we believe that you have to look at all revenue spaces as it evolves. And we're very much for empowering the revenue leaders of tomorrow. And that's, that's all aligned, right? Where the head of marketing becomes a chief revenue officer or the head of ops becomes a chief revenue officer and it's no longer a clear path for the head of sales. It's not anymore. Uh, it's, you need to be operationally minded. And we've seen it in many organizations where the CMO becomes the CRO. There's a few examples in my mind um, where the head of, ops becomes a CRO where the salesperson just stays as the head of sales, but we're evolving so quickly. Um, automation is coming in so much. Will it replace roles? Maybe, maybe um, there's huge arguments around it, but the point I'm trying to make is revenue professionals are becoming interchangeable. A salesperson wants to listen and learn skill sets of a marketing person. Now, heck they're reading copywriting books left and right, we see it. Uh, ops people are learning how to sell more than ever. So why not embrace that instead of push against it? Yeah, that's perfectly said, love it. Um, and it's perfectly explained. Like a lot of people doesn't understand when, where things are going, how they are changing, how fast are they evolving and I mean, it's definitely something that we need to talk about more because uh, even though we talk about it, I don't see things are really changing in the space when we excuse just naming the positions. And it goes really slowly, it evolves slowly and we need actually to have those kind of communities like RevGen and others to actually explain what the hell is going on. Because if, let's say, if you are the member of your community, then you can follow up how the things are going. You are talking with people. You can sense, in a way, like I'm more in the marketing and business development space, but uh, I need to have at least, let's say, one client, which is a startup, so I can get in the dirt and I can see where things are going. And this is how I can predict what's, what's going to happen in the next period of time. But if you are a member of community, it gets even easier because you have other people who are having experiences as well as you are, maybe different experiences, but uh, you can get help just by being a part of it and just by following what's going on, right? Am I right? 
Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. And, and you know, as, as you were speaking, I'm thinking, you know, being in an early stage startup, I don't know the percentages of people that are in there, but I certainly am right now. I'm not in sales or marketing. I'm in growth. All right. It, growth means do everything to hit your KPIs and don't silo it. Right. Like why, why limit yourself? And I think the people that are early stage are more interchangeable, not just with their skill set, but with their mentality. The people that work for companies, let's say that are over a thousand people, even over 500, they see their career path and their roles are just so. So for them to go from something to something else, there's less likely chance of them getting the same money, right? And that, that takes away and, and, and less likely chance of maybe getting the same responsibilities. There's a ton of exceptions for people at the top, but as somebody who's an individual contributor, that's often the case. Just remember a question that I got on, on LinkedIn like a few days ago. Uh, a young lady sent me a message and she told me it does, it's not necessarily connected to the community, but to yeah, sure. growth inside, inside the organization. So yep. she asked me, uh, what do you think I should do to develop my skills and to actually become, become the CMO one day? Like that's, that's her desire. Like a lot yeah. of people are getting into agencies, into marketing organizations, and just CMO is something that's still uh, a desired goal. But um, like my opinion about it, and I want to hear yours, is that she needs to do some things outside of the organization so he, she can develop those skills. In the organization, and she entered like as a rookie, you don't get the chance to do it you get a chance to do all kinds of different things. I mean, it depends on you. If you want to do more, you will do more, but organization won't develop you to be a next CMO. It's up to you to develop yourself. So I told her like the way I got there and I got there by doing things outside of, uh, of the business world. So I organized like huge volunteer camps with 200 people from uh, 17 countries in one moment. And, you need to learn how to manage those people for like 20 days, 196, 97 people to get the feedback, to um, react to the bad reactions from the community because you are changing their, the narrative, changing the way they see things. So of course they are negative at first. So all kinds of things. And when I got into the, into the organization, it took me, took me like, 13 months to become, to go from rookie to GMO, to GM, because uh, I was familiar with everything. I just needed to, to get acclimated into the, the, the business environment. So what's your opinion about it? What's the like, shortest way to get, to get there, to get to the management positions in like marketing, let's say like that. Yeah. So I'll, 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 I'll address this in a few different ways, right? I think being entrepreneurial in general is a great skill set whether it's doing something on the side, like you suggested, or thinking outside the box with your day job, <clears throat> right? Like if you're in a day job and you're doing something on the side and in your day job, it's limiting you and you're, you know, you're not doing any more than you should be doing in your day job. How is your day job going to get you, how are you going to be a CMO there? You have to translate those skills into what you're doing and what you're getting paid for, period especially if somebody else is paying you, right? So, you know, you could have all these crazy, amazing anecdotes to the side, but if you're not executing in your nine to five, you're not going to be CMO at your nine to five. There's no chance. Zero. Okay. So let's repeat that. If you're not executing in your nine to five, you're not going to be CMO at that nine to five. Will you be at another one? Perhaps. But if you go to another company and the CMO typically is not a co-founder role, sometimes it is, you're not starting it and just giving yourself that title, you're working your way up. If you're not executing at your day job, you will not be the CMO. I don't care how much stuff you're doing on the side. I don't care. So now let's look at executing at your day job. Okay. What does that mean? And, and, and certainly do that stuff on the side, uh, assuming it doesn't limit you 
to be 110% of what you're getting paid to do. Okay, so you're at 110% of what you're paid to do. What does that look like? That looks like you hustling harder than anybody else at your company, period. Okay, and, and put the blinders on and just worry about yourself. Don't worry about others. Crush it. Absolutely crush it. What does that mean? Well, if you're at a low roll and you're getting tasks, do the tasks um, well, you know, quickly execute them, um, recalibrate with any errors and, and get that right. Think entrepreneurially. What else can you do or suggest and get approval for and then execute that will help you do more of that <laughs> towards your goal or exceed your goal or help others exceed theirs. So now, um, example, in, 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 a, in a marketing role, if your goal is to put out 10 pieces of content a week, do the 10 pieces of content a week, but then figure out how you could find content that's going to drive more traffic. You think about like, what, what's the goal of the content? The content is either to drive eyeballs, to drive leads, to drive something, right? So whatever those goals are, execute it, crush it. How could you go above and beyond? I mean, you can go from 10 pieces to 12 pieces. That's certainly one way. And, and, and people, you know, you're, you're shaking your head like that. That's great. That that's one way. Do it. Um, get approval and do it. But also maybe if you switch the titles around, you're going to get more eyeballs. You're going to get more things. Maybe, maybe if you teach the team how to share it on LinkedIn, on Twitter, et cetera, you're going to get more people in and they haven't thought about that. Maybe um, you should add video and it's not just suggesting adding video. It's coming up with a low cost or no cost game plan to execute. Hey, I think we should add video. Here's my plan to do it at $0. And what? Wow. <laughs> now all of a sudden you're a different person, right? And now the video catches on. You get validated that your suggestions are better. Everything goes up. Who's, who's, who's the first one getting promoted? Or, or who's being thought of more, right? And, and you do it in a way that makes whoever you're reporting to look good. You know, you're not overstepping your boundaries and in, in the constructs of the organization. And then you're also playing the political game because they brought on an all-star and, um, and they'll be CMO first and, and they'll bring you up with them. And I, I truly think that. So again, the takeaway is, be entrepreneurial, uh, but if you're not at 110% effort in your day job, it doesn't matter what you're doing outside. You're never going to be CMO of your day job. Perfectly said. I like, I like when somebody else is saying the things that I can find myself in instead of me being in the role when I'm saying it, you know, because uh, like I remember when I started, um, Firstly, I was learning a lot and watching videos and I had to get like another job so I can, uh, so I can survive while my payment goes up. And while I was uh, reading a lot of stuff, watching videos, sometimes even doing those two at the same time and doing the job. Uh, so I was sharing everything, sharing with people, I was lifting up people. So the owners recognized that. And then like when I got um, when I was in charge of the biggest clients. So I had, I need to set up some kind of a goal for myself because they, they were just like owners uh, above me. So I said, okay, I'm a, I'm a GM and I'm in charge of the few biggest clients. So um, I need to set up some kind of goal. And basically it was the SEO in most part. So, okay, how do I get at least five relevant people to the website, new people a day. So I implement this. Okay, it works for like five days. I implement that, it works for like two weeks. And when it's tough working, there I need to find a different way to get relevant people over there. So I learned tons of things. It's not something that I recommend for everybody to do <laughs> because you gotta be crazy to work like that, but I knew what I wanted. And I knew that I wanted sooner than later. 
So uh, this is, I invested additional time and everything. I mean, I was always entrepreneurial. Not many people are, are, are like us, but this is the way to get up. And also like, I think the, um, the main point when the owners realized that I, that I uh, am the man for the job is when I needed to take, uh, to take vacation to organize the summer camp. At the time, um, I told them I won't take like the full vacation. I will just take half an hour, half of the uh, working hours because um, I have some things that I need to get done uh, in specific period of time. And so basically I woke up in the morning from 6 to 10 a.m. I was, uh, I was working in a company. Then I was organizing the summer camp and it lasted for like 10 days. And when I come back, they say, okay, this guy is crazy. He is the one that we need to take us to the next step. I, I respect that tremendously. Um, you know, our, our, our new head of growth that we brought on has some other projects he's doing. And, um, you know, essentially is like, I could, you know, 8, 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. is like my, my prime time <laughs> to do stuff you're crazy uh, because, you know, we're, we're, we're bootstrapped and, and we don't have the funds to bring on somebody full-time yet, uh, but soon enough. Yeah, but yeah but... You, you, you hit the nail on the head. You have to keep thinking. And, and when you came on to Rev Genius, did I, did I message you? Yeah. That was yeah. me. That was yeah. me. You and, all, and also, and also <laughs> Catherine, I think. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, you got, yes, Catherine is amazing. Um, but we messaged you is the point. We did something, we did something super not scalable <laughs> because we're, we're, we're crazy. It, uh, but those are the things that are moving the community forward. And also what I just said, like when I was learning, we were like a company of like 15 people at the time. So uh, I was sharing everything that I learned with them. And this is how you behave, behave in any community. It doesn't have to be company. It can be, genius it can be some other company because that's how you give value to the community give something back okay guys I learned this this is what you should read to get there too or these are my conclusions basically you don't need to read it all it doesn't give me value but those are only few things that you need to get from this piece you know those kind of things are really moving things up for you yeah, I, I, I look forward to getting you involved more in the community because you have some great ideas. Yeah, I, I should. I should. A lot of people are trying to get me involved. I think uh, all the companies that are growing are getting to that, to that stage where a lot of people are trying to get, get them involved. And I'll, I'd love sure. to do that. I'll definitely get more, more involved. Um, You're really good at what you do. We love having folks like you <laughs> step up. Yeah, yeah. So uh, tell me, how do you see the, the community developing further? I'm always interested in those kind of questions. I have my sure. own community on like Facebook, which is like around uh, 3,000 3, people, but I'm not very active over there because in the recent period of time, because I saw, okay, I'm not getting new business out of it. So I'll leave it from time to time. I'm being active just to keep up the community, but I had like hard times find people that can help me actually grow it and keep you up the engagements and those kind of things. And basically that's why I ask you. So I'm trying to learn. So, so repeat what you just said. You're, you're not showing time. Why? Yeah, because it's not bringing the new business. Uh, I mean, look, yeah. uh, just, just to give you the background, let's, let's talk a little bit about it. Uh, because running a community, community is a selfless act. Yeah, and I, I separated uh, and recently, like a few months, I separated it. I said, okay, it's separate, let's say product or whatever, and it needs to live outside of what we do as, as a funky marketing. So uh, this is how we do, we don't try to sell anything over there. We're just sharing knowledge, some things, uh, but it's still, there are a lot of people who are from Serbia and who uh, are used to talking in, in one language, then, we changed the language to English because a lot of other people got involved in the community, which 
have no idea what these guys from <laughs> Serbia are talking about. So a lot, a lot of issues over there. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I asked to repeat that statement because and, and, and a massive question that comes up a lot is how do you start a community when you have a company, right? That's trying to sell services or trying to sell a product. And there's a finesse that needs to be done. If your goal in running a community is to monetize that community, the, the members for, for your business, for contracts and stuff like that, and you stop doing it because it's not, that makes sense from your business standpoint. Um, when community is the only focus, <laughs> as it is in, in Rev Genius, everything we do is for our members, not for a consulting agency or a SaaS company. Now we have sponsors, don't get me wrong, uh, but the members are at the core because that's what our community is. And so in regards to the future, I'll keep it vague. And so essentially what we want to do is provide more resources, more things, more events that could help our members actually execute their goals. What are their goals? Sell more, hit quota, manage better, have more of your team hit quota, get promoted, get a job, period. Uh, it's still COVID and I know the economies, they say it's getting better, but it's still uh, a difficult time for many, many people as well as find a place to belong. The typical business world isn't super inclusive, isn't super diverse. Can we create something there? So, you know, with all those things in mind, and, and I'm sure I'm missing a pillar or two, you know, and, and, and have a resource just for knowledge to refresh, right? Like, ah, how do I throw the best event? How do I get more attendees? How do I get more meetings, et cetera? but like also help them execute. So more things that help more people with what they need help with and, and do it in a more effective way. I think that we're good, I'm satisfied, but I also realize that if we stay with just the mix that we have and what we're doing, as people evolve, as the space evolves, while we might be meeting a lot of folks needs today, in a year, that might not be the case. So we have to continuously evolve. What does that look like? Well, we have some ideas for the next month to three months of, of what that'll be. But man, you know, if, if, if I said we knew what six months was gonna look like, for sure, we, we know it will test, so that'll be rolled out by then, you know, we, we'd be wrong. So it, it's constantly listening to the members and having more and more opportunity to listen to what they need, what their challenges are, how they're evolving that, et cetera, and, and, and giving solutions. So in regards to what we see about the future, we see more, more people helping us, you know, achieve this goal. Um, we think that we'll evolve to more content. We launched a podcast. You'll see that continuing. We'll have a, a podcast launch every week. So we have three episodes, just like what we're doing now. We'll probably have uh, more and more great leaders as guests helping folks. We'll have more resources on our site. And maybe we'll even have, um, we'll, we'll figure out some new programs to offer our members as well. I know that yeah, wasn't so, super specific, but like the bottom line is we need to be a resource to help everybody with their business or their personal objectives. Yeah, I have specific questions. <laughs> we'll get to that. Yep. Uh, but uh, so basically what you're saying uh, is you invest in the community, a community decides where you're going next, right? I, to a large extent, like we, we, we have to have, they're, they're, they're a stakeholder. <laughs> they're, they're the number one stakeholder in where we're going. Now, we, we, 
we might give guardrails and stuff like that based on resources, based on, you know, some criteria, but they're the number one stakeholder always. Yeah. So specific questions that I have is what are some um, actions that you can do some specific tactics that you can do to actually maybe grow community outside and grow the community from the inside. So I want, yep. uh, I got the idea from like the post that you did yesterday. So mm -hmm. I, I think that can be a good starting point to get into that. So you're talking about the post where, where we had a contest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think contents so, are, are really good things to actually engage the community and uh, grow things around. So let's let's just let's look at that. You know, think about unique ways to engage LinkedIn. But let's also look at the fact that we haven't really officially turned on search engine optimization. We haven't done any paid advertising. We haven't posted regularly on other social channels. You have a whole community of three thousand people on Facebook that live there. We have like 150 likes. That's a huge opportunity, right? Like, do we want a group? Probably not. We don't want them to live in a couple places, but also why are we not partnering with you and your community? You, you said you're not getting, you know, we, we, we have different objectives with that. So, so that might be interesting. I, you know, we, we can discuss offline that, but more partnership opportunities in general, more, yeah, j j just maturing. Like, like we're, there, there's 17 traction channels. Remember that book traction? Like we've probably done three or less. We could grow in all those ways. And then, it, it, so, so that's the first thing, right? And, and thinking outside the box with how to gauge in already networks that we're in, I, I think that there's probably a ceiling if we're just acquiring people from LinkedIn, we could maybe grow 3X maybe five if we're really, 10 if we're really, really good, right? But like there's, there's a ceiling. Like LinkedIn has millions and millions of people. Do you honestly think more than 100,000 revenue professionals are active? And let's define active as post twice a month. Do you honestly think that? Of course not. I, I don't. Mean, uh, I don't. <laughs> just like I, I was researching because we were, we were in negotiation with a, with a huge digital supply um, chain community, yep. and uh, I mean, those are you all like older people, ex executives, or current sure. executives, CEOs mostly in the board. And I mean, you can be the ex CEO of IBM, but if you don't have a picture on your LinkedIn, you are not active, you are not a valid. Uh, person over there that can help us grow in a way and a lot of people are not actually posting they are just existing over there so they cannot help us in the way we need people who are really active right is the same thing with you those are the, those, those are the first movers right the easiest ones what about the person that hits quota they're already making their numbers what about the relationship salesperson they don't need anything else linkedin is extra time the people that are starting businesses, the people that are in technology, starting territories. And, and you see people that were once active fade even, right? Like when they start a new job and stuff, you see it all the time and that's fine. Does that mean these other people don't have needs in the community? I, I, think, I think there's more people that could come in than what you see on LinkedIn is the point. Do, do I think if there's 6 million sales professionals or, or whatever, I, I, I saw, I think, uh, outreach through that number around and, and, and there's some truth to that. Um, that 6 million are worthwhile people that 600,000 are, uh, probably not. With that said, if I think 20 to 50,000 could be from LinkedIn, I do think that there's more than that living in Facebook, uh, Googling stuff that don't know <laughs> of anything uh, that live in Reddit, even, and you're using Reddit, using Quora to answer questions. And, and because of that point, it was important for us to, to expand into more of a media company, right? Um, and, and media company, meaning content, content, uh, content, <laughs> uh, whether it's podcast, digital magazine, whatever else comes in the future from us because people are out there searching for this. And, and sometimes that's a different person 
than is always active. And sometimes it's a person that could easily become that. So for figuring out where to find them and, and, and they're not on LinkedIn. And I think, I think that they're, I think that they're going to certain digital properties, maybe outside of revenue on a day-to-day basis. That might be ESPN.com, right? For sports. That might be Hype Beast for streetwear. That might be Reddit Core, et cetera. So let's, let's, let's figure out how to create a brand that gives the revenue community that's hot and active exactly what they need, but also is open and approachable for somebody that might typically not gravitate towards that. And, and that's a big part of brand, if that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. I think, and I think that's moving in the right direction. And I like how we uh, got the structure of, of the episode, just starting from what the community is, how to gather members, how to get them active, and what is the overall like bigger, bigger narrative that we need to get in so we can get out of one platform, include people from other platforms from other industries. I mean, LinkedIn is mostly like B2B, but there is also like B2C people. There are also some other people um, which doesn't have anything when it comes to business on LinkedIn. So they are present in different channels. Like, uh, and like we said, Discord, when like people from gaming industries are, okay, they are on LinkedIn too, but, uh, but creating a brand will actually get those people to come to you. You don't need to go and promote the community around. You create the brand and you started a good way. I mean, I just wanted to say that, um, so you are not the one saying it. Uh, And you started the podcast, the articles, which are all based around people from the community. So they are those that are sharing knowledge. You are promoting them as, as people also, not only as, as experts and as uh, people that have something to say, but also as as common people. Like this is, I don't know, Marco or Nick. He is like, let's say Nick Bennett, our friend. He was a good guest. A perfect example. Here. He was yeah. a member so, yeah. spot like yesterday. Yeah, he's like a film marketer. Okay, but he's also mm-hmm. a guy that likes um, sports. He's a guy that has some other skills which he involved in what he does and this is what make make him better and he's bringing all that into the community and if you come join the community uh you will find other people who are just like nick and you're not saying that just the article is saying that for you <laughs> yeah and, and and everybody's approachable right so these quote-unquote influencers well they got there for a reason they're they're good at branding themselves and, and they're good at having something worthwhile to say that helps others. Right. Um, Nick is exceptional. Uh, he was member spotlight. He's also co-hosting with Ashley, the, the marketing uh, lane for, for a revenue podcast and super active. And, and yeah, we, we're, we're all people. We're, we're, we're friends. We're here to help each other. And, and that's big. And then, from a marketing standpoint, from a visual standpoint, we want to be more approachable, cooler than the typical, you know, some some staler business to business branding of yesteryear, right? Although some of it is still around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Okay, so we are uh, near the end. So. I have always these questions uh, at least that I want to ask people and it is, uh, is there something that I didn't ask or something that you wanted to share or something that you think that we need to to discuss uh, in this episode that I didn't think of? So let's get into that if you have something to say. So first off, uh, where'd you get the name Funky Marketing? Ah, That's that's the cool one. That's the cool one. Basically, while... uh, I was uh, younger, I was playing basketball for like seven years old. My father was a coach and we all listened to, uh, to the old school, school hip hop. So when there comes like the gang stars and the whole like um, movement, when hip hop got into funk and all those kind of things. And then uh, way back, like my father was 
also somebody that got a good taste in music. So he was listening to Motown, uh, to those kind of music. Uh, and basically a mixture of that got into the basketball because like outside of the court he was playing basketball. It was uh, Grand Hill, other people, uh, players from the 90s. And outside of the court, it was hip hop. That was something that basketball players were doing. Alan Iverson was like wearing those kind of pants and everything. And we were like go, both following all those things. But uh, not only that, it was like uh, I came up a long time ago about keep it funky. I heard it somewhere probably, but for sure. me, it meant to always do something a little bit different with a slice of funk and also to uh, keep being on the right track and doing doing the right things like, like and it's uh, I can even show it I don't know if it's <laughs> seeing the camera it's like keep it funky uh, <laughs> it, it's on my phone my screen for for a long time now and it reminds me that I need to always uh, think about good things like what's next because uh, all those things that I brought from basketball and from music and anything I brought into the civil society organization where I was part of working with youth and uh, fighting for ecology uh, fighting to stop villages from dying those kind of things but we got the award for that the biggest award for youth policy in Serbia in two years in a row working with UNICEF those kind of things and uh, a guy who uh, was basically the godfather of the civil society in Serbia got me the award. So I asked him, what's next? And he says, there's no end. The fight for good never stops. And this became my mantra and something that I'm uh, actually translating as keep it funky. Uh, so I also brought it uh, in the name. And the group on Facebook is called Funky Marketing for a few years now. So it just... When I founded the company, it was just the obvious name for it. I love that. And, and, and you know, any other question I had, you know, the next one on my mind, you pretty much answered uh, just with your name. But it's, you know, what I'm always curious about, because I truly believe inspiration from outside the B2B world helps us be unique, be different, and connect with people in, in a secret sauce kind of way. Right. So I was going to ask what that inspiration was and, and you saying your name and going off that story. I think it's, I think it's relatively clear. So pop culture and, and, and mine as well. I think I realize I'm a creative at heart halfway through. I think, I think we all are. It's just a matter of if we embrace it, know how to embrace it or not, or care to embrace it. Right. Uh, and, and practicality often stays in the way. And, you know, a lot of people are in SaaS sales, they have, or SaaS, whatever, they have their um, career path, they're, they're super focused, blinders on. And oftentimes, you know, that inspiration doesn't come through and, and you know, they, they suppress it, right? And halfway, th I, I always had, you know, after the nine to five stuff that I like to do, right? Whether it was have fun, go to the gym, go out at night with friends, et cetera. Right around the age of 30, I switched uh, gears and I realized what I truly wanted was to be entrepreneurial and, and, and I loved fashion. We built a fashion magazine on the side, my business partner and I, and I still had a day job. We didn't make any money from the fashion magazine, but we got like 10,000 uh, readers a month, which was, which was good. I mean, I never ran a WordPress site. So to go from that to that, uh, it was quite an accomplishment and validation. And that really triggered, you know, you know, practicality kept my day job going, but in fashion, we won international fashion film awards and stuff. And that was really cool. And we were good at it. Um, in Copenhagen, we won best international fashion film and best idea. And we were collaborating with the best fashion photographers in the world and videographers. Um, some of them and, and some really good ones, you know, ones that, uh, shot for Vogue, et cetera. And, you know, I went to like 30 fashion week shows a season. Um, I was shot for like Vogue, Women's Wear Daily, like all, all these publications. Uh, high Snobiety, which I'm sure you know, maybe. Uh, do you? So like, and, and then I got like the co-founder of High Snobiety to like be an advisor for a past business because it was a little pop culture-y. 
And this whole idea around fashion and creativity was always in my life inspirational, but even more so culture, right? And, and this idea that culture, whether it's streetwear, it's Allen Iverson basketball, it's, it's what's going on, is a big thing. And, and what I realized in the B2B world, it's not present, really. It, it's not prevalent, I should say. I'm sure it's present somewhere. So it's an easy secret sauce for, for what you're doing. Like, and, and you probably see small inspirations like that in what we do, you know, whether it's like the aesthetics and, and how it connects or, or how I act or, or what I'm wearing. And, and sometimes that comes through. And what I, what I want to come through is I'm a human, you know, there's, you know, sometimes there's an extra bit of candor with that. <laughs> um, but, but that's real. And, and of course you want to be tactful, but yeah, bringing that inspiration in is kind of like a secret sauce. So how does that look and what we do, you know, you made a point how to get people to engage, uh, you know, as part of it, we spoke about the acquisition. It's like putting clubs in. Well, clubs, that's an idea from clubhouse. Do you know clubhouse clubhouse? I listen to Virgil Abloh speak there. I listen to all these people I'm in. Not many people in the B2B world are outside of uh, the investors like Andreessen Horvitz. And I'm seeing how they're organized. So, so we have people coming to us saying, hey, I want a cold call more. Let's create a cold call club. Let's create a black professionals club. Let's create uh, a female founders club. Let's create what the people want and, 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 and need and, and, and all that awesomeness. So that's like the little things, how it comes out and you'll see a bit more. Um, and, 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 and so that's, you know, my inspiration as well. And I think that's why we connect so well. And I think that's why I connect with other folks that are, that are honest in, in the funky marketing. That's a cool twist. Uh, and, and I love that that's how your out of the box thinking comes into this B2B world. I think, I think when you do it, whether it's in the name, in a mission or in, a subconscious way, I think that's a secret sauce, man. And, 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 and bravo for, for, for bringing it in. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, I mean, basically, anyway. basically, uh, I'm also coming back, not from only civil society, but also working with, I don't know, like 60, 70 companies who are most of them like B2C. So using emotions, feeling, showing the stories, as you said, it didn't exist in B2B. Maybe a, of course, there are a few exceptions, but uh, it started to change a little bit. And I think now we are like riding that wave that is going to change that gray area of B2B. People thought that B2B is like something that's mystical, gray, that they are targeting companies. When I still, when I ask people like, who is your target group? They say it's this company. Uh, it's not a company. There are people inside the company you need specific person over there that's why like LinkedIn is good because you can know what's that person's name surname and all the other things and um, basically people need that's my conclusion people need to relax a little bit and simplify things bring in music bring in show your personality so the way you smile all those kind of things because they will appreciate it everybody because this is not approach that a lot of people are having and also like being kind that's the the ultimate thing i'm not sounding like gary v but he's right when it comes to kindness oh man that's a whole nother conversation a whole nother podcast but uh not just kindness empathy i think i think empathy is a secret sauce i like what you said about music i have some ideas we'll talk offline not recorded around that uh because i think more people like music and then I think, I think every, I think 95% of people like love music. It's <laughs> uh, so whether they listen to it or not. That's another story, but like, it's just something that, that hits you. But music in particular, music and fashion are two things in pop culture that connect with people deeply. Uh, fashion, especially, right? Like what, what you're wearing. And, and even if it is a black t-shirt like you're wearing or, or a white shirt with a logo that you can't see here, um, it's who you are, right? And, and right down to if you buy 10 black shirts and that's all you wear, that was a conscious decision. And there's a reason for it. Now, 
don't even Mark Zuckerberg who wears the same thing every day. He does it for functionality. So, so maybe he doesn't, you know, identify with it as much, but I've got to think he identifies with it in the sense that I do this because I'm a hard worker and I want to be efficient, whatever. So I think there's a lot of deep levels with what you put on your body uh, like that. And, and I think if you can connect that, I, I think it's interesting. Like, like why isn't Nike advertising on LinkedIn? I think the true answer is because LinkedIn advertising is too expensive. If it was the same price as Facebook, Instagram, do you think Nike wouldn't advertise on LinkedIn? Mr. Funky Marketing? I think they would. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, can't I mean, you see I that? Mean, they, they didn't get into the Facebook space also. Uh, it's, that's why Facebook ads are still surviving when it comes to like the larger community LSMBs because the bigger players didn't enter didn't enter the market. But uh, I think sure. we covered a lot and <laughs> I, I, I think that we uh, made a great ending so we can have another conversation soon. I look forward to it. Thank you. Yeah. It was great hanging. <laughs> yeah, thank you for being here.